Can I have everybody bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Now, some of you guys are like, man, Josh's sermons are much shorter than Phil's. Because this is typically how we wrap things up. But I want you to answer a couple questions in your head right now. In just kind of a time of meditation. Really think about this, uh, these questions. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. What would you do if Jesus walked into this room right now? What would you do? What would you say if Jesus walked into this room right now? What would your response be? How would you react to Jesus Christ walking into this room? Really think about it. Now you guys can look up. I believe that how we respond to this question depends on how we answer a much bigger question. That question is, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus? Because if Jesus is just this accessory to your life that you pay a little bit of attention to for an hour on Sunday morning, I wouldn't expect you to really jump and uh, you know, have this uh, crazy reaction if Jesus walked into the room right now. You'd probably approach him the same way you would if I walked in the room. It's not very exciting, okay? If Jesus hasn't really transformed who you are, that might make your reaction kind of boring. Now, some of you might pretend that it would change everything if Jesus walked into the room right now. But the presence of the Holy Spirit is here, and maybe it hasn't moved you yet. This morning, I want to ask our, us to ask ourselves the most important question you'll ever decide in your lifetime. Who do you say that Jesus is? Now, this question was asked by Jesus himself. It's recorded in the Gospels. He asked this question to his disciples. Now, there was a lot of buzz flying around and rumors, and uh, people had a lot of different ideas about who this Jesus guy was. He was polarizing. People had all kind of different ideas. Well, maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he's a teacher. We saw him heal somebody, but I don't really know what that means. So Jesus asked the disciples, what are people saying about me? And then more importantly, what do you say about me? They were forced to decide for themselves who Jesus was. And it determined everything about who they were. We're going to begin reading here in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16 and verse 13, if you want to read along. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. We all must decide for ourselves 
who we say Jesus is. See, Peter knew what other people had said about Jesus. That maybe he was a friend, maybe he was uh, just a healer or a good teacher. But Peter decided he was so much more than that. Because people said he was a prophet, a friend, a healer, a teacher. And the truth is, none of these would have really been bad guesses. They're not terrible answers, but they are not complete answers. Peter knew that Jesus was more than a prophet. He was more than just a good teacher, that he was the son of the living God. The disciples had seen Jesus perform miracles. They heard his teachings. They heard what everybody else had to say. But at the end of the day, they had to answer just like we do. Who is Jesus? Who do you say that he is? Now, why does it matter so much what you say Jesus is? It's because what you believe about the identity of Jesus defines your own identity. What you say about the identity of Jesus will define and shape your own identity. It changes who you are. A.W. Tozer once said this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. No religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. The most determining fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Now, this may sound like a bold statement at first, but the more you think about it, the more you're going to find this to be true. What you believe about God serves as the engine that drives you through your life. What you believe God to be like will shape your attitude, the way you relate to people, the way that you treat your coworkers, the way that you treat your spouse, how you approach relationships. It ultimately decides where we will spend eternity. What we think about God shapes our values and the things that are most important to us. It shapes the things we pursue and the way that we pursue those things. What you believe about God determines whether or not your beliefs can handle the pressure of doubt when you're faced with trials. Your perception of God de determines where you lean when you have pain and trouble in your life. My view of God relates, uh, or how he relates to mankind changes the way that I relate to my peers. See, I've been in uh, church communities before where they really uh, were grounded on this idea that God was just this angry dictator waving his fist around at people, ready to just cast fire down. Have you ever been around church people like that? No? Okay, I, I've been around enough of them for all of us, okay? And let me tell you something. They're typically not great people to be around, because uh, what they believe about God kind of shapes and changes and molds who they are. If I believe that about God, I may be angry and judgmental and harsh towards people. But on the contrast, if I view God as the loving creator who desires personal, intimate relationships with all of us and who loves his creation so much that he would step down from heaven to die on a cross for us, my life will be characterized by forgiveness, unconditional love, 
radical generosity, and a grace that makes no sense to the world around us. We tend to gravitate towards the mental image of God that we perceive in our minds. What we believe about God and his character, it has implications on earth and beyond this life. How we live now and where we spend eternity. Who you say that Jesus is, it matters. It is important. Now with all that being said, it is so important we understand this truth as well. God is not contingent upon what or who you declare him to be. Whatever you decide about God in your head, it is not going to change him in the slightest. You do need to decide who you believe God is, but it does not determine who God is. You can decide who you think God is and be completely wrong for all of your life and all of eternity. Because God does not change to become what we want him to be. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We serve a God who is unwavering, unshakable, eternal, and never changing. We don't serve a God who changes. He is eternal and he is perfect and good in every way possible. And even when we don't believe it, he is still at work, sovereign over all things. Our ideas about God and who he should be does not change him. God does not become this version that we want him to be. This is one of our biggest problems. One of the biggest problems we deal with, this constant desire to minimize God to something that fits our preferences and something that can be understood by us. J.D. Greer says it this way. He says, most Christians don't flat out reject God. They just reduce him. They try to put him in a box within the limits of what we understand. Well, I want God to be like this, and I, I accept these characteristics of God, but not these. And we reduce him to something that fits our preferences. But let me tell you this, the reduction of the one true God is the rejection of the one true God. Because he no longer is the God of the universe. We constantly try to mold God into something that we can all understand. Or something that affirms our preferences, or my opinions, or my beliefs. But what we end up with is not God at all. What we end up with is a divine, almighty version of ourselves. We're just worshiping a deified version of Josh or Phil or whatever your name is. God's character and his attributes are not shaken because you're not a fan of them. The Bible tells us that his ways are higher. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Phil shared a quote with me this week that uh, I, I don't remember exactly who said it, but they said, the Bible never contradicts itself. The Bible contradicts us, and we don't like it. The Bible never contradicts itself. It contradicts us and our thinking, and we don't like it. Now, the fact that the Bible contradicts Josh Weddle is something we should all be rejoicing in. The fact that the Bible contradicts you is a good thing 
Because God's ways and his knowledge are so much higher than our thoughts. But we'd rather God operate how we would operate if we were God. Voltaire once said this, In the beginning, God created man in his own image. And man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. So while what you believe about God may be the most important thing about you, who you believe God is does not determine who God is. We must either reject or accept him for who he is. So when you're faced with the question, who do you say I am? The question is not, what is your ideal version of me? Or what do you wish I was like? Or who do you think I should be? Who you believe Jesus to be should change you from the inside out, but it does not change God at all. You can accept or reject Jesus. You can love him or hate him, but your perception of him will only change you. It will not change him. We talked earlier about how uh, other people's ideas of Jesus might not have been necessarily bad assumptions, right? That he was a prophet or a teacher. You know, these were good guesses, right? But they were incomplete, and they reduced Jesus to be less than who he actually was. Some people uh, still today, I had a conversation with somebody a couple months ago who you know, told me that you know, Jesus was an awesome teacher. And he said, you know, Josh, I revere uh, Jesus to be the same as, you know, like Martin Luther King Jr. or Mother Teresa. I said, okay, we're not on the same page here. We have totally different ideas about who Jesus is. And I asked this person, where did you get this idea? Where, you know, where are you finding or coming to that conclusion? And they said, the Bible. No. That is not where you got that conclusion, because the Bible says that Jesus is so much more than that. So when people say that Jesus was just a good teacher, that is an impossible claim. Jesus was a good teacher, but he can only be a good teacher if all that he taught bores, or bears truth. And he taught that he was so much more than that. I've had some good teachers in my life. Raise your hand if you can think of a great teacher you've had in this lifetime. There are some great teachers out there, okay? But none of them have I ever felt compelled to worship with my whole life, okay? I wasn't like, man, my sixth grade math teacher was the bomb. I'm going to walk around like worshiping this person for the rest of my life, okay? Because all these people are our teachers. I worship Jesus with my whole life because I believe he was more than just a good teacher, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He is what I need. C.S. Lewis addressed this in his book, Mere Christianity. If you've never decided about who you say Jesus is, C.S. Lewis offers these three logical options. The first one is this, that Jesus is a liar. See, if Jesus was not actually the Son of God, but he claimed to be, then he was simply a liar and a con artist who swooned thousands of people to believe in something false. Who's still fooling us today and believing he's the Messiah? If Jesus was a liar, we are all fooled right now. Because historically speaking, Jesus made claims to deity. That he was in fact one with God. So if this whole Messiah thing isn't true, then Jesus' credibility as a good teacher becomes tarnished. So if he's not the Messiah, he can't just be a good teacher because he said he was the Messiah. He said he was one with God. 
The second option is this, that Jesus was a lunatic. Another option is that Jesus was literally out of his mind, that he truly believed he was the Son of God, but he wasn't. Now, scenario time. If you walk out of church today, you walk to your car, and there's a man standing on the hood of your car, and he looks you dead in your eyes and says, I am the Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. What's your reaction going to be? You're probably going to call the police and hope that this guy gets checked into a facility. You would assume he needed some help, that this guy had some issues. Trust me, I've worked in a mental health facility. I've spent countless hours with delusional, mentally ill people. And it was not an uncommon thing for people to make claims like this. To be God, to be one with God, to be the Son of God. And never once was I compelled to believe them. The third option is this. The first is that Jesus was a liar. The second, that Jesus was a lunatic. The third option that we can choose is that Jesus is Lord of all. That Jesus is who he said he was. That Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to seek and to save the lost. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one is reconciled to God except through him. Now some skeptics may ask, well, why do you believe Jesus' claims to deity? but not that guy in the parking lot standing on the hood of my car. Let me give you a few reasons real quick. Jesus perfectly fulfilled hundreds of Old Testament prophecies down to the smallest details about his birth, his birthplace, his death, his life. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus had historical credibility. It was witnessed by hundreds of people who were then willing to change their beliefs to follow Jesus no matter the cost, to be persecuted and die torturous deaths because of what they believed. And lastly, because the person of Jesus is also validated by other historical sources outside of Scripture. See, Jesus made claims to be the living Son of God, to be one with God, to be the one and only access for us to have a relationship with God. We either believe this or we don't. He's either the Messiah and he's Lord of all, or he's a phony that isn't Lord at all. Because Jesus' claims to be God are so weighty, because the message of the gospel is so radical and astonishing, we're forced to respond in one of two ways. Complete acceptance or total rejection. Complete acceptance or total rejection. See, you cannot take this historical news of the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus defeating death and grave and sin forever, and just say, meh, sure, I guess, and then live this lukewarm life. If Jesus rose from the grave, that changes everything. You cannot casually believe that Jesus took the weight of your sins died a painful, torturous death on the cross in your place, then resurrected, defeating sin and death, and then not be moved by that. If you believe that, you cannot have a casual belief, a casual commitment to Christianity. You can either accept it and be changed forever, captivated by God's grace, or you can reject it, but there really is no in-between. 
The evidence for Jesus' claims to be the true Son of God are staggering. But again, the question has to be asked. Who do you say that Jesus is? You must decide for yourself. This is a personal decision that you have to make. Peter knew what others were saying about Jesus. But after Jesus says, hey, what are other people saying? He turns the question to him and says, what do you say? Who do you say that I am? He had to decide for himself, and so do you. He could have decided that whatever the majority said was the right answer. But instead, he decided for himself that Jesus was who he said he was. That Jesus was the Son of God. That he came to seek and to save lost sinners like you and me. He decided that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the Lamb of God who was sent to earth to take away the sins of the world. Decide for yourself. See, it's not enough for your mom to be a follower of Christ. It's not enough to say, well, you know, my grandpa was a preacher for so many years, or my whole family goes to church. You've got to decide for yourself. You cannot piggyback on your family or your friends or what other people say Jesus is. You've got to make the decision for yourself. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God and the Lord of all? Does your life reveal Christ to be Lord or simply an accessory to this life that you've built? The American dream. You know, you've got a nice house, you've got a nice family, a nice job, and Jesus kind of fits in on Sunday for a couple hours. That's not lordship. Would you give up everything in this world just to have more of Jesus? If you can't say yes to that, he might not be Lord of your life. See, the way you live your life in response to the gospel reveals how you've answered this question in your heart already. So you can say Jesus is Lord right now, but maybe you don't mean it at all. Maybe you've never meant it. Ask yourself, has he actually become this all-encompassing force that drives my life, that changes every aspect of who I am, the way I think? Have you picked up your cross to follow him, no matter the cost? If not, I challenge you to think hard on the question this morning. Who do you say Jesus is. Your answer matters, and you have to decide for yourself. I'll go ahead and call the band up this morning, Josh and Ann. The gospel demands a response from you and me. The gospel demands a response from us. Jesus is either the Messiah and Lord of all, or he's a phony that isn't Lord at all. The gospel demands a response. The message of Jesus demands complete acceptance or total rejection. We cannot sit on the fence. If Jesus is who he said he was, that changes everything. If Jesus took on the weight of your sins and died on the cross in your place and rose again, we cannot casually say okay to that. Apathetic, lukewarm Christianity is not real Christianity. Half-hearted belief is no better than total rejection. 
You can either be all in or not in at all when it comes to Jesus. That isn't lordship. Lordship is all-consuming or it's non-existent. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Now today, I want us to understand deep down who we believe Jesus to be. Was he a phony? Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or is he Lord of all? And is that going to do something inside of you this morning? Your response to this question will change everything about you. See, if Jesus is just some historical figure that you equate to other influencers in history, I don't expect you to feel this transforming power of the gospel that's going to make you different. You can accept or reject the Savior Jesus. You cannot make a half-hearted, casual commitment, though. That's not a proper response to the gospel. Is he Lord of all or is he not Lord at all? Who do you say that Jesus is? Every head's bowed and eyes closed this morning. Maybe you've never taken that question seriously. It's easy to go through the motions and the routine of coming to church and leaving and coming to church and leaving. Let me tell you, I was pleading with the Holy Spirit this morning that he would not allow this to just be another message we hear, but that he would convict us and move in this place and force us to make a decision for ourselves. Who do you say that Jesus is? It matters. It determines your life and your eternity. Maybe if you're being honest with yourself, it's going to take some time to think through that question. What do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe that he is who he said he was? That he is the one uh, true son of the living God? But maybe you want to make that decision this morning. Maybe the Holy Spirit is moving in on you and convicting your heart to make a decision to say, Jesus is going to be Lord of my life. Jesus is going to be Lord of all. There's not going to be anything off limits. It's total surrender because lordship is all-consuming or it's non-existent. If you want to make that decision today, I want to lead you through a prayer. It's not a magic prayer. You don't have to repeat these words word for word. This is all about you and God and your heart. But you could pray something like this to God today to make him Lord of your life. You could say something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I desperately need your grace. God, please forgive me of my sins. I repent and I turn to you to make you Lord of my life. Now, if you're in this church this morning and you made that decision for the first time ever, not going to embarrass you or anything, but I want you to take your connection card. And I want you to write on that. 
I decided who Jesus was. I decided Jesus is Lord of all. Pastor Phil or uh, myself, we'd love to connect with you to talk to you about that decision you made. Now, some of you may be in here and you just need to make a decision that, hey, that, this has been a casual thing for me. I've been in this lukewarm state of apathy. And you realize now that is not a proper response to the gospel message. Maybe you decide today, Jesus is going to be everything to me. Because he is who he said he was.